0: the International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE radio a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side now here's your host Lee Whitting are near-death experiences tools the collective unconscious of the world uses to send messages to us about how we should be leading our lives and are we here to define our individuality Define our collectiveness, or both? Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Just returned from the magic of our four-day weekend in San Antonio, Texas, where we looked at all aspects of near-death experiences as rites of passage. Our next conference will take place next summer in Orlando, Florida. It's at the end of July, and I'm already looking forward to it. Our guest today is Nancy Rhines, author of the recent book Awakenings from the Light. Nancy started her education as an artist at Chicago's American Academy of Art, but went on to learn to earn a degree in geology from Northern Illinois University, and then she attended the University of Colorado for a master's level geology coursework. The sciences taught her to base her views on things she could measure, and since spiritual matters were not measurable for her they did not exist. She writes that her skepticism remained until January of 2014 when she experienced a traumatic accident and near-death experience. And since her NDE, she's returned to a more spiritual and creative life based on what she learned. She now writes books and teaches about the divine, what happens when we die, and how we can bring something to, uh, something of heaven to our lives on earth. Nancy, welcome to NDE Radio.
1: Thank you, Lee. I'm happy to be here.
0: Uh, perhaps we could begin, Nancy, by um, your telling the les- listeners about your um, your accident, your terrible accident, and uh, your later NDE.
1: Sure. Well, this, uh, this happened in January of 2014, very early in the month. Uh, it was actually the end of my Christmas vacation, and I know for those on the East Coast, it may seem odd that I might actually go out on a bike ride during a Christmas vacation, but... Here in Colorado, that's often the case. We had a lot of warm weather that early part of January, so that there was a morning that I went out on a bike ride. I was just going to bike around town, and uh, I'll just try to keep it short, but, but I went uh, through the, a new section of a road in town where they had just put in a brand-new roundabout, and I went around to, on the bike, biking uh, path. So There's a little bike lane around the roundabout, and there was a woman that was coming in from a side road and it looked like she had seen me, but at the very at the very last minute I realized that she hadn't seen me and she struck me um, broadside. Um, and I ended up through a long series of a seemingly long series of of almost comic, I'm sure, um incidents, I was up on her hood and then looking in through her windshield and then grabbing onto her bumper. But eventually I was, she, I, she kept driving and I ended up being dragged underneath of her car for or her, actually it was an SUV. I was drug underneath the SUV for approximately 50 feet or so. And, uh, didn't really know what was going on, but at the time I noticed something really odd that my Consciousness had split apart, and so there was a part of me that was watching the whole accident from out in front, very a very calm, observant, you know, very kind of spiritual part of me that was very sad, but at the same time, very accepting of what was happening. And then there was the, I call it the scared little rabbit stuck underneath the the SUV, who was Mm. in a in a very kind of mild state of panic, just trying to live. And uh, that state lasted for a few minutes until the paramedics arrived. Um, and so that was my first kind of encounter, I guess you would say, with the other side. It was very brief. Um, but a couple of days later, I was brought into surgery. I had, had some pretty traumatic injuries, um, the, the most traumatic being my, my back was broken in many, many places. And had I had shattered one vertebrae in my lower back. And so that needed surgery, and it was during surgery a few days later that I actually truly had the what I call the big NDE, <laughs> and yeah. that was a full-blown. You know, I actually um, my my heart rate on the operating table went to zero, my blood pressure tanked, my breathing tanked, and um, it seemed to have. In hindsight, it was some kind of odd reaction from the anesthesia, but. Um, which I guess happens sometimes, but you know, instead of going into a state of blackness, I went into a pretty amazing place. I was, I really was <laughs> surprised at where I ended up, quite frankly. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, it was a lovely scene with, I mean, the beauty of it, the physical beauty of it is beyond compare. It was just this brilliant, Almost pearlescent light, but but I could also see mountains and big trees and vistas and beautiful clouds and 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 that the visual aspect was stunning. But you know what really affected me and I noticed right away was that there was a feeling of peace that persisted through everything and and a feeling of utter love and welcoming that I that still today, even more than 18 months later, still affects me. I can feel it today. It was like a big embrace coming home. It was a welcome home from mm-hmm. what I now call the divine. And um, that lasted, it, it, that little, that state of just bliss, of, of communal bliss with God, I think lasted you know, in my time there, it seemed like it lasted for days. And then um, eventually a figure approached me, and she appeared to be female. And again, she, when she approached me, she approached me with this huge embrace of pure welcoming love. It was uh, amazing. I, I can't, there's no way to put words to it how, how welcoming and loving all of this was and uh she said she was there to help me learn and to help guide me through this place and that's kind of how it started <laughs> hmm. so now i, I think surprised.
0: you i think i think you said in your book that you uh lay down on the field for a while and looked up at the sky
1: yeah it was really it was really an interesting experience so she she was there to show me around but uh, I, I quickly realized, and, and she quickly told me that I was also there to learn, she wanted to teach me some things that that I could take home with me, basically, come you know, when I came back to Earth, that would help me live a more spiritually centered life and a happier life, and so she, you know, we, we walked around, it was kind of like the Grand Tour, I guess you would say, but... Um, she showed me around heaven and or at least this part of heaven that I was in and taught me many many things and during that time though um, you know you get tired at least as a, I was still partially human in my mind and I couldn't take a lot of it and I also didn't want to come back here <laughs> mm. <laughs> I, I knew she was preparing me to come back here. <laughs> And I didn't want to do it. <laughs> so there was a point, uh, we, we were on kind of a, what looked to be a, like a hill with an open meadow. And she just laid down in the grass at one point and and stared up at the sky and started picking out cloud animals in heaven. And, of course, at some point I joined her and we started looking for, you know, rabbits and dragons and all kinds of crazy things up in the sky, and I mm. thought, this is really weird. <laughs> who, you know, who goes to heaven to look for a cloud animal in the sky? <laughs> <laughs> That's what we were doing. Uh, but I think, uh,
0: you know, in hindsight, we were doing it to... Just to ju- oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, just to jump back uh, for a minute, uh, I think you said in the book that you had the feeling that as you were walking along the scene that you were seeing, this beautiful scene, was disappearing behind you. And I thought, yes. I want, was this scene created specially for you?
1: Well, and it, it, it was in some respects. And and so what she explained to me was that I wasn't actually in the, the final, if you will, final heaven or the final destination. I was in sort of a holding room or a waiting room. Okay. Uh, or a waiting state or something. I, it not, wasn't really a place. It was really more of a state. So I was in this holding pattern, if you will. Um, and what what I noticed is that it seemed to be that I wasn't really seeing things behind me. You know, if I turn around, there was it was sort of like a gray fog, but there were things up in front of me. And mm. she, what she explained is that this place was in part created, or at least the the scenes that I saw for me were in part created for me. They were um, a combination of me and the divine basically working together to create a scene that would be comfortable for me. Um, Because, basically, because she didn't want me to be scared and, and the divine presence didn't want me to be terrified and so the, the thought for them I guess was that they would create a holding area for me that kind of resonated with me that I could feel welcome and safe while at the same time listening to what they were trying to tell me with an open mind um, you know, so, because when you're afraid, you're you're shut down, really. <laughs>
0: right. So now this is something that not all NDEers, uh have acknowledged or recognized, because uh, mostly people think they've seen the real heaven, and uh, they don't think that it was created. Uh, the the vision that they saw was not created s- especially for them. So this is a, a very interesting point. I I wanted to uh, have you describe. Okay, so then you're, you guys are lying in the field, and she's telling you uh, the truths about life and and uh, what you're going to have to do when you go back.
1: Right. Yeah, and that was the the hard part for me was she's you know she said at some at the very very tail end of this experience that now it's time for you to go back and and you know in human terms I would say I blew a gasket. I <laughs> just really. Uh, <laughs> I threw a temper tantrum and I didn't want to come back here. And she explained that what she had been teaching me really wasn't for the next step of going on into the full-blown heaven. It was really to come back here. And it was these things that I was being taught or the things that I was being taught were given to me to improve my life. And then she said, and by the way, other people might benefit from them as well. And, and I got very terrified at that point. <laughs> mm. um, she, she said, you might want to share these things with other people. And I thought, nobody's going to believe this. <laughs> 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 at least did, of all me. <laughs>
0: did, did, you, uh, did you hear things uh, from, from your guide that um, you weren't supposed to talk about?
1: No, she didn't actually tell me any. You know, basically whatever she told me, I could talk about. Um, okay. If there was any accurate knowledge, I don't know. Um,
0: what uh, What sorts of things did she? Did you think were most important that she taught? Uh,
1: well, for you know, for me, uh, it would change over time. I think, but initially for me, it was that w- love is everywhere, not only in heaven but also here on earth, and. That we're here on earth not only to learn, uh, and not only to have fun and enjoy this place, but also to love each other. Mm. And, and it's in it, you know, since then I've read the New Testament and it's all through the New Testament. Um, but it's really love each other no matter what. Even if you don't like the other person, extend compassion and kindness. Um, extend camaraderie or, or brotherly love to people, even if you don't necessarily agree with that person. And that was a hard one for me at first. Um, and I, you know, sometimes still struggle with that.
0: Oh, I it's, think we all do. Uh, you <laughs> <good> wrote, <love. laughs> you, you write, you write in your book, in, in heaven, I was allowed the gift of seeing into the heart of everyone and everything.
1: Right.
0: What was that? What was that like?
1: Oh, I still have that. That's really—it's a hard one to deal with here on Earth. But I could see underneath of all the stuff around me, I could see the scintillating energy of love and and God's presence through everything. And I, it's very, really, very really difficult to describe it. But it, its um, i think I would need somebody from, you know, ILM or or George Lucas Studios to be able to put it to visions, but. It was it was the scintillating energy that I I knew was pure love and light and presence um, through everything. And when I looked at people, I could see it there as well. I could see below the surface of the person, you know, your out outer surface. I could see that uh, soul of light, if you will. Um, and I still see that today, which is, it can sometimes still take me by surprise. <laughs> uh-huh. Because it's, um, you know, as a scientist, you're, at least for me, I was trained that, you know, all that spiritual stuff doesn't exist. And now I see it and it's startling still, but I still mm-hmm. see, um, that inside of each person is this beautiful, loving soul that's, sometimes suffering a little bit underneath the weight of being a human, and that's, even the, that's the harder part. Um, but it's there. It's a, it's a beautiful gift. I, I, I very, I'm very appreciative of the gift, even though I'm still uh, struggling a little bit with how to employ that in my life.
0: Mm. Did you see any inkling when you saw into everyone's heart, uh, any any kind of suggestion that we live several lives that reincarnation is part of our existence?
1: I did actually. I do get that message, and I did get that message that if we choose it, it's not mandatory. But if we choose it, we can come back. Um, and the the one thing I will say is that it became very apparent to me that it truly doesn't matter for each. The life that you're in right now. Um, I I think I've seen, even amongst people that I know, it can be a a huge distraction to get all caught up in all those past lives. Um, Some of them may be relevant to today and some may not be. But the, Mm. the gift in all of it is that while there is the possibility to come back if you want, the gift of your life is the one that we're in right now. Each one of us has this individual, unique incarnation that we're in right now that you'll never get back again, ever. So Mm. even if you do reincarnate, you will never be this person again. You'll be somebody else with a different body and, you know, different likes and dislikes. So you'll never be, I'll never be this Nancy again.
0: Mm. What was it like uh, coming back into your body, leaving, leaving heaven and coming back?
1: That was hard. I came back to a broken body, um, and I, that was one of the things I was really terrified of when they sent me back. I I had, like, over 24 broken bones and most of them in my back and neck, and so to co- to go from feeling no, no weight at all, I mean, in heaven I felt light and free and able to do whatever I wanted, and then when I came back, I was in this broken, pain-ridden body that struggled really even to move, out of you know, to get up out of bed and to move. Um, and I struggled, you know, I was in a body cast and a neck brace, and that was hard. And then that, that was just the physical aspect was hard, but then the, the trauma almost of being ripped away from that very visceral connection to, to heaven's presence or to, to divine love was really hard. Um, it's a lot harder to see and sense that here in, on Earth because of the physical, the physical nature of our existence. So for a while, I thought it was gone, but then I realized it was just a little bit hidden under the surface. And then I was, it was—it took about three months for that to kind of, kind of kick back in. Um, and once that did, I felt a lot better. <laughs> mm. I,
0: <clears throat> who was, who was the first person you told about your NDE?
1: Actually, it was a chaplain in the hospital
0: uh-huh and I
1: was yeah <laughs>
0: good for you um,
1: yeah i uh well, the interesting thing is when I was admitted to the hospital i told I told the e r staff, I do not want a chaplain in my room, I'm an atheist <laughs> i don't want, I don't want any of that stuff <laughs> and um of course, she just appeared that the next day after surgery, and i just i couldn't i couldn't. I could not bring it up. I had to ask somebody, am I crazy? Or is this real? And she was the most, um, the best person for me to ask because she explained how real it was and that she'd heard this kind of thing before and that I wasn't crazy and that it was a real experience of God or of the divine or, you know, spirit. Um... And then I and then I slowly told members of my family and then later my friends, but it took a while. Um, and there was still a little bit of fear about what people would say. And uh, yeah. It,
0: what was the What was the reaction generally?
1: Overall, uh, I would say overall very positive amongst my family and friends. I, there were a few uh, family members that didn't react positively, but. For the most part, it was very positive. Um, more positive amongst my friends than I expected, which was wonderful. I'm very appreciative of their support. Uh, I, I, I was really afraid that people I'd known for years would distance themselves from me, but that wasn't the case. Uh, and, and an interesting thing happened in that uh, one um, one of my friends, who I've known for I don't know 12 years or so, admitted that he had had an NDE when he was a kid, or actually a young man, and uh, hadn't really told anybody until I talked to him about mine. <laughs> mm. So it was nice uh, having some, some someone else that could get it within my circle of friends.
0: I find that's true in, in the hospital as a chaplain. If I tell someone an NDE story, I get a story back, uh, either of a uh. mystical experience, an out-of-body experience, or an NDE that either they've had or a family member or something that they heard that fascinated them. So it's amazing how stories evoke stories. I, I
1: think uh, they're more um, common than people
0: would want to admit, you know? UK, oh, they are. Um, there's been an estimate of 774 NPEs a day in this wow. country alone. Wow. Which is pretty, pretty amazing. Um, you, you came out of um, this and almost immediately were able to write a book about it. I mean, this is something that happened in January of 2014, and by the next year you've got a book out and you're speaking at IONS (laughs) conferences. (laughs) Uh, This is uh, so much faster than most people. You know, most people, it takes them years, sometimes decades, before they can begin to acknowledge all that's happened. And I was wondering, is this... Is this just you, something about you, or is it? does it say something about the society generally that, that NDEs are so much more accepted today?
1: I think in part it's because they're very accepted, uh, or at least a lot more so than in previous times. And I also have to admit that I, I've been a writer for a very long time, but I've been a science and technical writer for 20 years. So the first thing I did really when I woke up, Chaplain said, You're not crazy, is I started to write it down. And I wrote and I wrote and I wrote Great. for months. That's yeah. Before I read anything else, I wrote about what I had experienced. And so Which is then, just what
0: just just what Evan Alexander did yeah. too.
1: Well I, it helped me it really helped me wrap my brain around it. That's really one of the ways that I think and process things is by writing it physically with my hand. And I just know that about myself. Whenever I have a problem, I always write about it, and then I figure it out. So it seemed natural for me to write about it. And then I put those writings into a blog, and then the blog became a book pretty quickly. And I knew it was just the first step. It wasn't the be-all, end-all for me. It was really, you know, as my chaplain said, this is, you're just starting out on the path. And um, I said, well, it's good, you know, that I can help, other people who are also starting out on the path. And that's kind of how I approached it was, you know, come along with me on this journey. I don't know where, where it's leading me, but mm-hmm. we'll see together what's going to happen. I,
0: I did have one question I wanted to ask you uh, on a more, um, oh, I guess, uh, earthly way of thinking. You, you quote Chief Seattle that all things are bound together. Whatever we do to the web, we do to ourselves. And I know back in the 80s you were on an archaeological dig near Amman, Jordan. So you know something about the people of that region. So right. given what you've learned from your NDE, what are your thoughts about on how we should handle this current terrible migration situation crisis that's going on in the Middle East?
1: Oh, it just rips my heart out. <laughs> I, you know, I don't really have any great insights. That I think can handle that help the situation right now. I think the only thing for us all to keep in mind is is love and compassion. And it's really hard, I, you know. I, when I was in the Middle East in Jordan back in the late '80s and early '90s, I spoke with many many Palestinian refugees from, you know, who had been ousted from Palestine in the late '40s and even even then, so forty odd years later, it was still a family trauma that they were dealing with. so what we need to you know really understand as as you know uh, an entire world is that first of all, we need to extend love and compassion to everyone on all sides of this. Even if we don't necessarily like what's going on, I think, the only way we can help out right now is to keep in mind being compassionate during this whole process, whatever, however it happens, you know, however it ends up being for everyone involved. Um, As far as, you know, I've thought a lot about the entire situation in certain parts of the world, not only the Middle East, but in in other areas as well, Um, you know, because, my heart is still there in some respects. The longstanding violence of that area really, it really bothers me. Um, but the only thing that I can do right now is pray, 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 and, and send love and compassion and, and send my heart to all those people over there, hoping for a peaceful situation. And mm. um, that's really all I can say. <laughs>
0: Do do you think that uh, that might be one reason for reincarnation? That when we have a life as blessed as as comfortable as one in America, that our next lifetime we might experience something as rough as what's going on in Syria right now.
1: Uh, you know it's it's a really it's a very thought provoking idea, and I and one I would agree with. One of the things that I was blessed with as a youth really was going to the Middle East and seeing how how harsh life can be for a large part of the world, quite frankly. Mm. And, and to be able to sit there in a Bedouin tent and empathize with people who I'd only read about in books and and understand that they didn't have any clean water most days, or, you know, the women didn't have access to education Um, and to sit in a Palestinian refugee camp and understand that they've, you know lost their homes that they've lived in for 300 years and are now living at the behest of some foreign government. Um most of us here in the US have it pretty pretty posh. Yeah. And even if we're poor here in the US, it's still uh, a very wealthy life as compared to much of the uh, the rest of the world and I think if we don't get it in this life, we certainly owe it to ourselves and, and the rest of the world to come back in another life and get it.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, Nancy, unfortunately, we're just about out of time, but I want you to tell um, our listeners um, about your blog, how they can get, get in touch with that, and also where they can find your book.
1: Well, everything is available. So my, The link to my blog is available um, via my website, awakeningsfromthelight.com. Um, and that's just all spelled out awakeningsfromthelight.com. Or you can go to the blog directly at thespiritway.blogspot.com. And the book is available through that website as well as on amazon.com. And you can also uh, request it from your local bookstore as well. So
0: that's very good. A wave. Well, thank you, Nancy. Um, Thank My thanks to Nancy Rhines for sharing her story. And if you would like to listen to this show again or any other of our previous programs, please visit our website at nderadio.org. And for more information about INS, please check that website at iands.org. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening.